Welcome to the Ascent Church Podcast. We want to come alongside you, so click subscribe to never miss new content. Now, our heart is to tell others about the life-changing truth of the gospel. Would you share this with one friend who might need some encouragement? We love it when you spread the word by sharing on social media and letting us know where you're listening from. Y'all, enjoy today's message. Honor that we can gather here together. Um, this passage we're looking at today is an emotional passage. It involves someone at probably the worst moment of their entire life coming face to face with Jesus. And the mercy he shows them, the grace he shows them, the absolute stunning words that he has for them is what I want to share with you today. And the reason I'm telling you the context before we begin is that some of you, this is where you're there right now. You're like, dude, right now, I'm at the most difficult part of my life. This deployment's the hardest one I've been on. This time, relationally, is the hardest I've ever been on. This season, raising kids, is the hardest I've ever been on. Wherever you are, I want you to know you're not alone. We're glad you're here. And you don't have to go through this alone. If what I just described, if that does not describe you, I want to think outside of ourselves for a minute because that will describe someone that you know, either at work or in your command or at the gym. So we have to be mindful of what people are going through. We're going to do John 8, verse 1. It says, And they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Would you pray with me? Father God, this woman is probably her lowest. We have no idea what led her to this moment. We have no idea what she's going through, but God, we know that this story is vague on purpose. We can insert ourselves into it. We can understand we've all sinned. We've all dropped the ball. We've all messed up in some way. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Father God, we ask that you meet us right here. God, it's an emotional day. I'm not quite sure why. I'm not sure what you're doing. I'm not sure what you're stirring. But I just ask you to meet us exactly where we are today. Help us see your word in a new way. Help us see your gospel, your good news in a brand new light. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may go ahead have a seat. Go ahead and get cozy. Is anyone thankful? Is anyone glad to be at church today? Anybody in the house? We got some of y'all ready to go. I'm going to give it up. I want to welcome everyone who's new in the house and online, especially our military community, whether you're here or deployed. Would you give it up for them? We're thankful for them. That was kind of weak because they literally can hear you and they're sitting wherever thinking, man, church sounds awful weak today. Can you give it up for them? Somebody show them some love. Thank you. Thank you. That first one was amateur hour, but we got some time to turn it around. We got some time. My name's Thomas Lane. Most of you call me T Lane or Pastor T. And I want to welcome you today to Ascent Church. We're a church for everybody and you're welcome here. Uh, Maybe you're checking out church or you're looking for a new church. You're welcome here. Please come back. Join us again and say what's up to somebody on your way out. Um, I need to know, because summer's coming. I got my summer shirt on. Okay, summertime's coming, baby. Is anyone going on a vacation this year? 
a trip, a getaway, somewhere fun, a staycation. I don't care. All right, that's most of y'all. So I'm going to tell you about this. What I'm about to tell you, it's a challenge, and it's going to help you, and it's going to also help somebody else. I'm going to tell you about our podcast. All right, every week we give it up for everyone on YouTube and the podcast. I want to tell you something real exciting about our podcast. We are close. It's a big deal for us. Our church is like six years old. Um, we are close to 100,000 downloads on our podcast. Close. We're not there. We're getting close. And it's not about numbers. It's not about, we're going to brag about that. What this means, it's 100,000 different opportunities for someone to be encouraged, to hear the gospel on their commute, on their deployment, in the hospital. And I want to give you a step today, which will help you, I pray, but also help someone else. This is actually my buddy, uh, my buddy Jack. I think we have a photo. This is Big Jack on deployment. Can you give it up for him? Jack sits, that's Big Jack, and he's, he's watching service. And every morning, Sunday morning, he texts me and you know, gets me hyped up, gets me motivated. And um, we FaceTime yesterday, and he just reminded me like how um, just good it is and how thankful he is that we can still stay connected, even though he's on a different continent, right, how he can still watch service and engage. And he's usually sitting right here, um, but he'll be back, he'll be back. But this is, he's just one of many people of staying connected through their church. Their spouse is here, and your husband is on the ship or on a different continent. And so here's what my challenge is for you today. If you want to help um, others be encouraged... And hear the gospel. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating. All right, when you share it, when you spread the word, it helps more people see it, find it, interact with it. So here's what I'd love for you to do right now. If you're in the house or online, you can open your phone. Uh, If you have an iPhone, you can open up Apple Podcasts, find Ascent Church, and hit subscribe. And if you're a cool cat, you can leave a rating because that helps us reach more people. If you're one of those weirdos with an Android... All right, I don't want to leave you out. We love you too. Everyone's welcome here, even you weird people. All right, you can open Spotify and you can search for Ascent Church and you can hit subscribe and you can even leave a rating there. We want to make it easy to stay connected on the road and we want more people to be involved than ever before. So thank you for spreading the word. We're going to go to John 8, verses 1 through 11. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Um, my oldest son came with me today and it was cute. He said, I'm going to be your assistant. And we were sitting up here and we were reading through this verse. And he, I said adultery. He kind of looked at me and I said, I'll explain that later. <laughs> He's like, I don't think we talked about this in school. No, not yet. Um, and he doesn't know what that is. Y'all know what adultery is. And you know what? It takes two people. Where's the man? Where's he at? He's not, we don't know. We don't know if they said get out of here. We don't know. We, we don't know if he ran off. We don't know. The whole point, the whole point is just the woman's involved. All right? This is like your worst nightmare. This is like you're at your lowest point. We don't know what led them to this place. Man and woman are together. The, like, it, it's like the religious leaders bust in. They grab her. They take her before Jesus and say, Jesus, tell us about this. She's probably naked or half naked. She's mortified. She's fearful. She's ashamed. And we're going to see what Jesus does with her to her at her absolute lowest point. The point here is that the religious authorities failed her. And what we're talking about in this series, Woe, is that often the church fails us when we need it the most. The reason a lot of you, when you turned 18, you left and you said, I ain't going to church ever again, but now you're back, is that there was a hypocritical person or you were judged or you were condemned or someone came at you. And when you needed some compassion, you got some Bible thumping. 
When you needed someone to walk alongside you at your lowest point, you were used as an example. And the religious authorities constantly failed people then, and they do it now. This woman, they don't care about this woman. They don't care about justice. They don't care about helping her. They don't care about encouraging her. They don't care about saying, how can we help you get back on your feet? They don't care. They're using her as a tool to trap Jesus. And today, to this day, I still see church people more concerned about being right than actually helping the world out. We'd rather talk about how our church is better than your church or how I don't do that, what they do, this and that. We've completely missed the point. These people missed the point. And the reason we've had this series called Woe, we want to be real in an insincere world. I don't want to be a people that miss the point. I don't want to be a people who love Jesus, but we don't love this community. Or we think we're better than anyone, or we think we're holy. No, no, no. I want us to be a real people who are so um, changed by the love of God that we extend that mercy and that grace outward. That we never feel better or superior to anyone. In the Old Testament, Leviticus 20.10, it actually did say, did say, if there was an adultery, men and women were guilty. It's not just, it's not just the woman, okay? So the, they were wrong by doing this, but there's a lot of things they messed up on. Look, it says they made her stand before the group. She's probably naked, half naked. She's mortified, okay? They made her stand there, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? In case you missed it, verse 6, they were using this question as a trap. Somebody say, it's a trap. In order to have a basis for accusing him. So here's, Jesus, here's the trap. Jesus is here. There's this woman. They say, what should, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? Because if Jesus says, it's not a big deal, it's fine that he's saying the Bible's wrong. He's saying the Old Testament's wrong. He's saying adultery is not a big deal. And you can say, well, didn't you come to fulfill the law? Didn't you say not the law is not going to pass away? You don't care about justice, Jesus. You don't care about marriage. You don't care about people. You don't, you don't care about... That could be one thing. On the other side, if he says you should stone her, you should kill her, that doesn't really fit with Jesus, does it? Isn't he kind of like a grace kind of guy? A mercy kind of guy? Isn't he always hanging out with like the outcasts and the outsiders? He's not going around killing people. He's not going around condemning them and stoning them. And beyond that, um, the Romans had taken over Israel. And the Romans were actually pretty cool. They, they kind of let you have your own little kings and this and that. But they had one rule they were very passionate about. You could not kill anyone. Capital punishment was their deal. That's why when Jesus died, he's crucified under the Romans. The Jews couldn't just go kill people. So if Jesus did say, we're going to do what Leviticus says, we should stone her. This has to, this has to be dealt with. There has to be justice. Not only would that kind of not fit in with his old grace, forgiveness vibe, but the Romans would get involved. This is a trap. Somebody say it again. It's a trap. This leads us to a different question, which I want to pose, and it's this, because a lot of us are new to Christianity. Why can't God just forgive? You ever heard that? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why, did, why, why is this there? Can't God, I'm, I'm going to put it in, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, but a lot of people think, can't God just grow up? Just forgive people. What's the big deal? Can't he just look past it? Yeah, we make mistakes. Why did Jesus have to die? Why, do we, why, why is there this forgiveness thing? Can't he just forgive? A few years ago, I parked my Jeep in the street in front of my house. And I was too lazy to move it. And at like 8.39, a drunk guy was going through my neighborhood, hit my Jeep and totaled it. Now, he was fine. He walked around. He got out of the car quick. He had a few drinks. 
My kids weren't involved. Like his car was total, my car was total. And, and everything was covered by insurance. Nobody was hurt, right? We downgraded from a Jeep to a minivan. That was the biggest tragedy in this whole situation. I'm still a little bitter that I don't have a Jeep, okay? We took that check from Geico and went right to the Honda Odyssey. Still a little bitter. A little bitter, but it's good for kids, but I'm still bitter. But I, I, I hear the boom, and I go outside, and like I said, no one's hurt. And I get out there, the guy's walking around, looking at the car, trying to figure it out. And he said, I'm not joking. He said, hey, man. My car's totaled, by the way. His car's totaled. He's, hey, man, can we leave the cops out of this? I'm going to say, listen, Mr. Gin and Tonic, my car's totaled. No, we can't leave the cops out of this. Are you serious? So the police showed up very promptly. Can we give it up for the police? We love them. We love y'all. A lot of you are here. And they, they did their thing. They were incredible. They were kind. But what was fascinating, what, what if? This didn't happen, but what if? What if the police said, Pastor T? Aren't you like a grace kind of guy? Aren't you a forgiveness kind of guy? Can't we just look past this? Can't you just forgive them? You know what I say? No! That's my car, man. Because either way, either I'm going to pay for it or he will. That's it. Or insurance. Because someone's got to pay. Someone's got to pay for it. Right? Either Mr. Gin and Tonic can pay. Right? Mr. Geico can pay. Or I can pay either out of my own pocket or I could pay another. I could go without the car. I could walk. I could Uber. I could bum rides off people. But either way, somebody has, ha- has got to pay. And hopefully when I say it like this, you see it a little differently. You're like, okay, there has to be a payment when there's been a wrong. Now, this leads us to God, okay? And I want to be serious for a minute. If God just ignored sin, he would not be worthy of worship. And a lot of us look and say, God, can't, can't God just forgive? That comes from someone who's lived an easy life. If you have had something wrong happen to you, wrong, wrong. If you've been abused, if you've had a friend murdered, if you've had something terrible happen to you, and you went to church and, and it's like, God, God's just like, oh, it's fine. Just forget about it. Let's move on. That doesn't matter. You could not worship that God. Because you would know, God, this isn't right. There's wrong things in the world. There has to be justice. If you've really experienced pain or loss or difficulty in your life, you know that God would not be a good God. He wouldn't be a loving God. He wouldn't be a just God if he just said it doesn't matter. Someone has to pay. But if our sins have to be paid for, who could stand? Who could stand? Who could honestly look back at their track record and say, you know what, my past is clean enough, I can stand before a holy, pure, good God, and he would approve of me. This is a predicament. It's a predicament. And it's the challenge of the whole Bible, and it's going to be addressed right here. It says, this is a little strange. Ready for something strange? Ready, ready, okay. okay. We're the temple. Everybody's watching. This is like a reality TV show. We got the religious authorities trying to trap Jesus. Jesus and the disciples, the boys are there. They bring this lady in. She's half naked. She's crying. She's terrified. She, she's, she's scared out of her mind. And they, they, they said, Jesus, what, what should we do? Should we let her go or should we stone her? Look what Jesus does. But Jesus bent down. And started to write on the ground with his finger. What? Jesus is like, hold up. 
Ask your neighbor, what? So you're like, okay, this is weird. This is weird. Verse 7, don't miss this. When they kept on questioning him, somebody say him. So he's bending down right, and they keep questioning him. What about Leviticus? What about this? What about mercy? What about grace? What? They're asking all these questions. He's still writing. He straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Somebody take the mic and drop it. He's writing, and they're coming at him, and they're talking to him, and they're doing this, and he just stands up real casually. Like, okay, he, was, he who is without sin, you can be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, what happens next is even more strange. Look, look what it is. Look, it says, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. I'm going to say this again because somebody has to hear it. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her. And this is not a, a rude term to call her woman. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Where do they go? I saw some people ready to kill you. I saw some people with some stones. I saw some people with some accusations. Where have they gone? The title of the sermon is this. What he does in the dust. I want to talk to you about what God does in the dust. Because every one of us in this room, we've got some dirt. We've got some dust. We've got some stuff in our lives. I want to talk to you about what he does in the dust. R.C. Sproul is a great theologian. His theory is this. Because the Bible never tells you. And some of y'all, that drives you crazy. We don't know. There's no consensus. Nobody freaking knows. Jesus doesn't tell us. That might be my first question in heaven. What were you writing? <laughs> R.C. Sproul, you know what R.C. thinks? He thinks he was writing down the sins of everyone holding a stone. Because Jesus could see your heart. He thinks he looked at you and was like, you coming to her for adultery? How about these three ladies you slept with? Oh, you're perfect? I'm going to write down greed. I'm going to write down the Ten Commandments here. He doesn't say a word. He writes with his finger. And if that was it, that may be why the older ones left first. Because they got more dirt. The older, wiser ones are like, shoot, that's a long list. I'm out of here. We never know. We never find out. But the point is not what he wrote. The point is what the effect was. Look how this ended up. It was just her and Jesus. And I want to talk to someone going through hell. I want to talk to someone with some dirt. I want to talk to you because forget the accusers, forget the enemies. Just let it be you and Jesus. Stop focusing on your past. Let it just be you and Jesus. Forget what these people are saying behind your back. Let it just be you and Jesus. Jesus is effectively saying, eyes on me. Eyes on me. Did you see how we shifted the focus from this naked, scared, terrifying woman to, to terrified woman to him? Because the focus is on her. But the second he leaned down, they keep questioning him. They're looking at him. They're staring at him. He took the focus off of her and onto him. What would your life look like if when you have messed up, 
or when you are going through hell, you took your focus off of all that stuff and shifted your eyes right to him. He's saying eyes on me. The main point, friends, is he doesn't tell us because it doesn't matter. There's a classic movie, classic. I think it won dozens of awards in the 90s. It's called Billy Madison (laughs) by Adam Sandler. Now, like every, don't give me that, sinner. And I realize every movie I mention, I tell you, don't go watch it. And I second that. Don't go watch it. Don't be like, I've never seen it. I bet it's inspiring. No. It's a dumb movie. It's a stupid movie. It's this grown man. He has to go back through college to inherit his dad's company. I mean, through all the way through elementary school. And my favorite part, it's sweet. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tie in. Don't worry. Because you're like, where is he going? Hold on. I'm going somewhere. My favorite part, I think he's in like second or third grade or so. And he's a grown man. He's a cool guy. And there's this guy with him, a little Ernie. And Ernie's kind of a little nerd. And Ernie doesn't have any friends. And Billy's friends with Ernie. And they go on a field trip. And Ernie pees his pants. And not like a drop, I mean, full bladder. And he's covered in pee. And they're on a field trip. And, and, and Ernie's kind of in the corner, kind of hiding. And Billy, Billy's a grown man. Billy's like, Ernie, what are you doing? And Ernie's like, I had an accident. Messed up. And he's already not popular, and he knows he's just going to get ridiculed and shamed and made fun of. And Billy, I love what Billy does. Billy goes over to the little water fountain, and he puts water on him. And so Ernie had an accident. Billy's got a big accident. And Billy's walking around town like this. And all the kids are like, look, Billy peed his pants. And Billy says, peeing your pants is the coolest. You ain't cool unless you pee your pants. (laughs) And all of a sudden, little Ernie is not afraid. Ernie's like... And everyone's like, look, guys, Ernie peed his pants, too. And everyone's clapping and cheering. Weird note, later by the end of the day, the whole, kid, the whole class pees the pants. It's not, that's, that's, that's where the, my illustration doesn't work. The point is, Billy took the attention off of Ernie. That's a funny illustration. Let me give you a serious one. I showed last week um, our, our friends, the Carter family, they're very involved here. Their little buddy, Fleet. He's having chemo. He's fighting leukemia. He's three. And his hair started to fall out. You know what they did? Shaved his head. And you know what his daddy did? Daddies don't think twice about this, dog. He shaved his head. And Hunter, his dad, had some flowing locks. He had a lion's mane. And I wasn't there when he did it. But I don't think he thought twice. Because if that little boy feels left out or like something's wrong with him or that something is off, he can say, look to my daddy. He's just like me. Billy Madison said, eyes on me. Hunter Carter, this boy with cancer, said, don't look at his bald head. Look at mine. Eyes on me. Mine's bigger. Eyes on me. Jesus Christ with this woman, he said, eyes on me. Don't look at her. Look at me. Look at me. When your past is overwhelming, look to me. When the devil's bringing up that mistake, look to me. When you feel like you'll never be welcomed in church again, look to me. When it feels like things are hopeless, look to me. Jesus takes the accuser's eyes off of you. That's what he does. That's what he's doing. And y'all, when the accusers are ready to throw some stones, when the liar's attacking your identity, 
When the enemy is surrounding you, say, don't look to me, look to my Jesus. Don't look to my sin, look to my Savior. Don't look to my past, look to my future in him. Eyes on him. Jesus is saying, eyes on me. And I love that he stooped down because you kind of had to gather, didn't you? People are tiptoeing. They're saying, what's he doing? They're talking about Jesus, not this woman. And they cleared out. One more time. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. He's not finished with you yet. Just, as, just because something's part of your story doesn't mean it has to be part of your identity. Just because you're going through hell doesn't mean you've got to stay there. Just because you've made some terrible mistakes possibly doesn't mean God does not want a relationship with you. He says, eyes on me. He says, eyes on me. The only person in the universe who could have condemned this woman shows her grace and mercy and a relationship. And that's the power of this passage. No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say this doesn't matter. He doesn't say go have some fun. Go for it again. He doesn't say, oh, just, just do it. It doesn't matter. You wonder what my theory is? This is my take. And I've read all the commentaries and all the books. This is my take. I think the, the, the writing the law, writing the sins, I think it's very possible, but I think there's something else here. I think there's something else. I want you to picture yourself as this woman, naked. It's like your worst nightmare. You're scared, naked. You're surrounded now. It's just you and Jesus. Messed up. Your life is not going how you wanted it to go to be at this place. And we see Jesus' hands in the dirt. Let's talk about what he does in the dust. If you go all the way back to creation, all the way back, he made you for a relationship with him. And you and I, all of us, we've walked away from him. What he does in the dust, let's talk about what he does in the dust. At creation, he formed you from the dust. He created you. He made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He created us out of nothing. Creation, that's what he does in the dust. The incarnation, where he came from heaven, he came from the throne, all the way down to earth, to a manger, to a pigsty, highest of highs to the lowest of lows. He came to the dust to save you. He created you in the dust. He redeemed you in the dust. That's what he does in the dust. If you look to the book of Jeremiah and other places in scripture, it talks about how, how he, he created us in the dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saved us in the dust. Yeah, yeah. But beyond that, he's, he, he describes himself as the potter. Taking your life, which is a lump of clay. It's in the dust. 
and he's not done forming you and he's not done shaping you and he's not done molding you and if you got a chip he can smooth it out and if you get dropped and are a little out of shape he can reform you he created you in the dust he saved you in the dust and he is still in the dust because he is not finished with you yet he's not And maybe he was writing the laws, the commandments. Maybe he was. Maybe the reason he was in the dust was to remind us where we came from. But I'll show you what he does in the dust. He saves us. He rescues us. He reshapes us. He forms us. Because we're clay in the hands of the potter. But still, the question of justice comes up. Okay, did she get off scot-free? Just go, leave your life of sin. The only reason Jesus is able to show his grace and mercy is because Jesus took her place. The gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed than we'd ever believe. At the exact same time, we're more loved and accepted in him than we could ever dare hope. Jesus Christ came as our substitute. Jesus could forgive her and show her mercy and grace because Jesus soon, he was going to be stripped naked. He was going to be sentenced to death. And where she could walk away, he was nailed to the cross. He died in her place. He took her penalty. He took her punishment on that cross. He did it for her and he did it for you. And that's why he can say, as no one condemned you, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin we can look to Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation and the father he doesn't even look to your sin or your past he looks to the brilliant radiance of his son when he looks at you he sees Jesus' faith Jesus' mercy his grace it's all given to you I'm going to ask you today do you know him have you become clay in the potter's hand would you turn to him today would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that our faith is one where we can look to Jesus and say, all eyes are on him. We thank you, Jesus. You take the eyes off of us and we put it on you. We ask that the enemy scatters. We thank you that the Father doesn't look to my past. It looks to your future, Jesus. Thank you that you've given us your righteousness. And if anyone here, if you feel like that woman, or if you feel like life ain't going how it's supposed to, if you feel like... You're at your lowest. Or maybe you just, you just, you're just not, you're, things just aren't clicking. It's not supposed to be like this. Whether it's the biggest mistake in your life or a small one, I don't even care. But whatever it is, if you're not living for him, know this. Here's what he does in the dust. He created you. He sent his son into the dust to die for you. And he's still reshaping you, reforming you, giving you grace. And if that woman, not if, when that woman messes up again, you know what he's going to do? Show her more grace. because that's the kind of God he is. If you don't know him and you'd like to, there's no mountain to climb, no task to complete. He did it all for you. Simply invite him in your life. Pray something like this from your heart to him. Say, Father, I want to know you. Don't, uh, don't look to my past. Look to, look to Jesus. Accept me not based on what I've done, but based on what Jesus has done for me in my place. 
I repent. I turn from running my life. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Shape me. Mold me. Make me a new creation. If you pray that prayer or something like it, I want to know. I want to pray for you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I need to know right here and right now you did that so I can pray for you right now. If that's you with all heads down and all eyes closed, if you've received him, if you've accepted him, if you've repented and turned to him right here and now, no one's looking but me. Would you right here and now, with no one looking but me, shoot your hand up real high in the air because I want to pray for you specifically. Praise God. You may put your hands down. Father God, for the hands all over the room. We know that when we're at our toughest moments that you're with us. That you're not finished with us yet. Fill us with your mercy, your new life, your Holy Spirit. And may we know that we are never, ever alone. Thank you for taking the accuser's eyes off of us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. We thank you for what you've done, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be sure to check out some past messages that will be sure to encourage and challenge you. And y'all, let's partner together to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing truth of the gospel. Would you help others find this podcast by rating it and leaving a quick review? And if you're local, we'd love to meet you. Check out our service times online. Thanks for subscribing, sharing with a friend, and we will see you soon.